kind of feel like the prodigal son. But you're going to need a Bible for that, not a hymnal. That's the problem. And I feel like the prodigal son because uh, a lot of you are like family, and I've known you for decades, and I just don't see you much. So um, I feel like I'm returning to where my wife and I got married 28 years ago. So today, um, I'd like to start with uh, a slide here that basically gives you the purpose of my talk, if I can find it. Um, it's, that's the group that I was a part of with the Master Nationalist, but I want to start, start right there. A little patch of prairie opening our lawns to nature. And basically, the purpose of today's talk is to encourage homeowners to convert some of their lawn turf to a prairie patch. And I like this quote about thinking of your lawn as an area rug, not wall-to-wall carpeting. (laughs) And too often, people think of their lawn and their landscape as wall-to-wall carpeting. There's a nice uh, swallowtail, too. Let's see see if I can get this to go. So in 1817, the Public Land Survey uh, looked at Illinois and noticed how much yellow uh, was prairie. So everything you see in yellow there was native prairie plants in 1817. And we have a lot of uh, records of what people described the prairie as an endless ocean of grass, and they get disoriented. And not only would they get disoriented, but this 18th century English idea of the perfect uh, you know, landscape did not fit the Midwest. And if you tried to take a picnic basket out into the prairie, you would soon be inundated by katydids and bugs and insects and mosquitoes. And so the landscape of the Midwest didn't really fit this kind of 18th century perfect garden idea. Um, But anyway, that's how much prairie there was, which was an amazing amount, and now we're less than 1% of prairie in the state of Illinois. Let's see if I can get this to work. Sorry. So um, basically, I planted um, 180 plugs in my backyard prairie in 2000, and it was hard to find native prairie plants. I had to look around. I found this tiny little town called Niantic, Illinois, which is near Decatur, I think, or Springfield. It's literally out in the middle of nowhere. And they were selling prairie plants for 90 cents a plug. And I bought 180, and I decided to do like a Tom Sawyer thing. Instead of painting the fence, we're going to have a prairie plug planting party. (laughs) Say that really fast. And so I got some friends, and we planted 180 plants. And uh, I was, had it all lined up and exactly where every plant would go and how, we, how visually pretty it would be and all this fun stuff. And uh, it turned out OK. But after a while, the prairie decides where to go. And I love this idea of, um, like, it's not egocentric. It's ecocentric. So if we're ecocentric, E-C-O, then we do what the land tells us to do, not what we wanted to do. Because the egocentric was my amazing design of where I wanted all my prairie plants to go. But no, they decided, not me. That's what I learned after about five years of prairie. So I also brought along a book with me called Nature's Best Hope. 
It's by a guy named Doug Ptolemy, and he has this idea of a homegrown national park. And the homegrown national park basically ties in my little prairie with your little prairie, with your little patch, with your little butterfly and bee garden, and it's all being connected. And that's what we're trying to do with homegrown national park, and that's what he's trying to, to do here. He gives a lot of great ideas for people like you and I who maybe don't know a bunch about this. I mean, I was an English teacher most of my career, um, and so I'm a, I'm a neophyte, and if I can do it, with, with barely, I don't even have a green thumb. I think, I'm pretty sure my thumb is brown. Um, but if I can do it, anybody can do it. So there's a bit of my prairie. Uh, we are a part of nature. And what I, one of the things I learned about the prairie is from the very earliest springtime to the very latest of the fall, there's some plant flowering at that time of season. And it's amazing. And it starts with the spring prairie columbine, a beautiful plant. You'll see this very early on in the prairie. And then from these guys, we'll get spiderwort. And I love this. They have a new flower every day, a gorgeous plant. These are all native. Landsleaf coreopsis comes later in the summer or late, 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 uh, early summer. And there are some around our mailbox. Of course, purple coneflower. And my wife and I had time to walk around your church property and saw a lot of purple coneflower. I love your compass plant. You have a nice patch of compass plant, Joe pie weed. You have a lot of great native plants around here, which is wonderful. Uh, rattlesnake master, that's an interesting plant. It looks like it's straight from Mars. Uh, I, we love royal cutch fly. We look for it every year. It's a beautiful little red flower. And the bergamot, I noticed you had some bergamot behind me this morning with some daisy fleabane and some brown uh, cone flowers. And then Jerusalem artichoke, I never planted that. It just decided to arrive, and it's a native prairie plant. So I'm like, okay, and goldenrod's a, key, key, um, a keystone plant. So as much as we think it's a weed, it's actually a keystone plant for prairies. But the problem is, is that when they start to bloom, we all start getting our allergies. We, we blame it on goldenrod, but it's not goldenrod that's causing all those allergic, allergic reactions. It's a totally different plant. It's ragweed. But ragweed pollinates at the same time as goldenrod, so everybody thinks it's goldenrod. And so it's... it's it's a plant that's gotten a bad rap, even though it's really great for nature. Culver's root. Uh, so I'm going to fly through these. Here's our big blue stem at sunset. We love that red, uh, hay, that beautiful color from the sun hitting the blue, big blue stem. So we just enjoy our, our native plants. Prairie dock, a great plant. And then late in the fall, we'll get the New England aster. And then there's a bunch of tons of wildlife. There's my daughter. She's in law school now. So this is a while ago, uh, looking at our eastern bluebirds and the goldfinches that love the purple coneflower seeds, dragonflies, uh, black swallowtails, all kinds of stuff, tiger swallowtails, tree frogs, rabbits. We'll even get some hawks in our backyard. And this is a typical suburban backyard in East Peoria. So I have to be kind of careful with my prairie burns because um, I don't want to burn down any neighbor's house. I don't want to burn down my house. Let's start there. And then I get some friends to come over, and we'll, we'll burn a little of the prairie. It looks beautiful in the wintertime. Uh, so I love prairie. There's some of my own photos. But I really wanted to get to this today. How can we overcome barriers to converting lawn turf to prairie? How do we get people to do this? And I love the fact that your church as a community has done this with your landscape here. I love that. 
But the number one thing that I've noticed with people is basically enlarging our aesthetic. You know, what's our sense of beauty? And how can we change that sense of beauty? Some would say that this prairie is beautiful. Others say it was weedy and, and unkempt. And I'll have buddies of mine come over and say, when are you gonna mow that weed patch? Right, and I mean, they're teasing, but there's kind of a little bit of truth there from what their point of view is. And then some would say, this lawn is beautiful, right? I look at that and I see a lot of chemicals. I see a lot of water. I see a lot of fertilizer. I see a lot of herbicides and there's nothing growing on it. And in fact, um, years ago, my wife knows this story. Our neighbors have a lawn like this just across the street from us. And the little girls knocked on our door and they said in the cutest way possible, can we, can we uh, go into your backyard and catch um, lightning bugs? And I was like, what? Of course you can, go ahead. And there's tons of lightning bugs coming out of our prairie and coming out of everywhere. And I'm like, well, they got a yard. It's just across the street. And if there, of course, there's nothing. There's no lightning bugs. There's, no, there's nothing coming up. So the kids come to our yard to catch the lightning bugs because they're, no, they're not in these yards, right? So, but other people would say this is beautiful, right? And that's what their, their aesthetic is. So can we make room for both types of aesthetics? That's what I'm asking for. I'm not saying eliminate one and have the other. We need a place to walk. But when we look at a home like this, is there a room for a prairie patch in something like this? Yes. I, I, by the way, we have the gallery back here. <laughs> I think of the Muppet Show. And then, um, you know, descriptive landscape terms. What do people find attractive? What, and what do people find unattractive? And a lot of this stuff is, is common sense. You know, lack of yard care, no flowers, no shade, not landscape, not mown, messy, cluttered. You can still have a prairie patch and still make it attractive and clean and neat and no junk. So I'm thinking about your neighbors here. And also think about these kinds of things. How do we balance, you know, what's the anchor in your yard? What is it that you want people to look at and the decorative value of it? and the focal point of it, what, what do you want people to see in relation to things like the food, the food web or car what's carbon sequestering, sequestering, wildlife, watershed? Uh, do you want a bioswale? Do you want to put it in a little pond? I mean, there's tons of options. And how do we balance this decorative value with the wildlife and native balance? So this might be an ideal, a front yard mixing prairie plants with turf lawn. And by the way, when you plant a prairie, it's not like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> You've just started because there's a, there's a war going on there. I hate to say this in a place of peace and love, but there's a war going on there in the prairie. And a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with invasives because crown vetch is a, is a rhizome and it's an invasive and it will take over my whole prairie if I don't do something about it. Blackberries, which I love, those blackberry thorn bushes, they will take over my prairie if I let it. And I like them because the birds eat them, but I have to somehow keep my prairie plants in there somehow, but also keep out those invasives. And the invasives, they do want to take over the world. And what's happened with some cities is they'll plant prairie and think, well, we're done. No, that's just the beginning. So there's still a lot of care that has to go into it. Um, I'm not sure what happened here. Let's see. 
Okay, so a lot of places like Nevada, they're taking out their turf because they're having water issues. Um, let's see what else is going on here. Minnesota, they have some uh, pilot programs to um, encourage prairie. Illinois, where they can, they put in native prairie plants, uh, that kind of stuff. So number two, how can we overcome barriers to converting lawn to prairie? Earlier I mentioned aesthetics, a sense of beauty. How do you change that or adapt that or enlarge that? The second idea is working with homeowners associations because a lot of you might live in you know, HO, HOAs where they say no prairie plants or no this or no that, there's lots of rules. But in this case from the New York Times, this uh, Maryland couple, they fought their homeowners association and they won. Uh, so they fought the lawn and the lawn lost. So they could put in prairie areas into their, um, into their yard, even though the homeowners association said no. Okay, so let's go to this book a little bit, if this works. I'm not good with this. Um, but the third idea is to, clear, is to have clear borders. How do we overcome barriers to converting lawn to prairie? So notice I do have some lawn turf, and there's a clear border between the lawn turf and the actual prairie area. So you can walk around it, and again, so your neighbors know, well, okay, it looks like they do take care of some of it. Notice the borders around this prairie area. So those are all native plants, but they put stones, sidewalk, those kinds of things, and more borders. Um, and also another thing we have to overcome is what people think about with bees. You know, I don't want to be around bees or the bees freak them out, or maybe they have an allergic reaction to bees. I get that. But what, what uh, Doug Ptolemy says is that out of the 4,000 native bees, only bumblebees, a mere 46 species, would sting to protect their hives. While foraging at flowers, bees are not aggressive at all. Yes, Mr. Varda. They're all about food. Bees are responsible for pollinating 87% of all plants and 90% of all flowering plants. If they were to disappear, this would be a fatal blow to us. Another idea to uh, barrier to converting lawn turf is what people, you know, people don't know. Well, how do I do X, Y, or Z, right? How do I start a prairie? How do I start a little prairie patch? How do I get rid of some of that little bit of lawn turf first? And what's a good way to do that? Do I use herbicides? Do I cover it? Do I um, get a sod remover and just remove part of the sod? There's a lot of different options that you can have for that. But um, Wild Ones is very good. Uh, University of Illinois Extension Office is very good. Uh, there's tons of uh, suggestions. So I want to get to Doug's book again. His top 10 suggestions for, for improving your lawnscape. Number one, shrink your lawn. Remove invasive species, plant keystone groups, be generous with your plantings. Plant for specialist pollinators like, like um, butterflies. Network with neighbors. That might be a little tricky part. Network with neighbors. I, I like my neighbors. We're on good, friendly terms. But I haven't got the, um, I don't know, the confidence or the, the motivation. I'm not sure. I, I haven't said, you know, 
prairie plants really do good in your yard. I just, I was like, I haven't done that. I don't know if I could do that. But I love the fact of networking with neighbors. And maybe then by showing some of my plants and things in my yard, maybe that will interest them. I'm not sure. Build a conservation hardscape, things like motion sensor lights, um, window wells, so, so toads and stuff don't get caught into your window wells. Um, create caterpillar pupation sites under your trees. Do not spray or fertilize, and fertilize was new for me. You know, Doug Tolomei recommends not fertilizing, and I had fertilized the front of our yard for a few years, but again, that's runoff, that's more nitrogen in the water, more nitrogen in the Illinois River, down into the Gulf of Mexico, and so on. Educate your neighborhood civic association. So he's got a lot of suggestions for the homegrown national park. And then I love this quote by Ken Kesey. Um, it's a poem called The Mystery, and here's an excerpt. But the job is to seek mystery, evoke mystery, plant a garden where strange plants grow and mysteries bloom. The need for mystery is greater than the need for an answer. And that's really what I, um, that's really what, um, surprised me so much about a prairie is because I could go out there every morning and I would tell my wife, every morning I'm going to see something different. Whether it's a new bug I've never seen before, a new flower, a new something, there was always something going on. And it was much more interesting than just boring green grass, honestly. So um, we have a job to do in terms of carbon uh, capture, right? We have global warming going on. I'm a firm believer in, I don't have to be a believer in global warming. The science already tells me that it's global warming. But um, if I'm doing a little bit just in our yard, and we can all do a little bit just for a little prairie patch for butterflies and bees and those kinds of things, I think we're doing our job. But I know a lot of people here are already doing what I'm recommending here. So I think I'm talking a lot to the choir. But thank you very much. That's my talk.